the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. And I want to welcome you to another Monday edition of Lifeline. So glad to be in your ear, on your radio, on your computer, wherever you may be listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. So glad to be with you. So thankful as well to, how can we say, usher in another week, some 12, 13, 14 hours into our waking day now. Um With some provoking thoughts, some uh, edifying thoughts, I hope, some challenging thoughts as well, because we are people of purpose. We are um, given to a destiny, and we are confined by covenant to a cause. If you're a child of God, uh, you're not just in this world living willy-nilly. You're not just here by accident. You're here by design, and you may already be in the middle of of one of God's schemes, his illustrative, demonstrative scheme of redemption. That is to say, if you're a man, then you are part of a divine mandate of biblical manhood. If you are a woman, you are part of a divine mandate of biblical womanhood. If you are a young adult, you are by divine mandate under the stewardship of parents for whom you are to exhibit in preparation for full adulthood, whether male or female, if you're a child, uh, you are given to the divine mandate of subjection to your parents in reverence and fear in the Lord uh, so that you might demonstrate the worthiness of uh, a level of autocracy and independence under God as an uh, as an adult with adult with adult responsibilities and nevertheless you are also if you are a child of God if you know God in the pardon of your sins if you um are truly redeemed by the grace of God and living within the framework um of uh of of his mercy in your life then you you are here by design as well and so um you your ear is worthy of our our discourse on this Monday edition of Lifeline your host Jesse Gistan um rejoicing in the weather again thankful for a really really excellent day um also thankful for recovering grace been out of the state for the last week uh engaging in some wonderful uh, reflection and celebration in San Antonio, Texas. Yeah, we were in the Alamo State, uh, Miss Barbara Gistand and I, and we were enjoying a time with our youngest daughter, who happens to have recently graduated uh, from the military in terms of uh, her, her her medical training and her her fundamental objective as a 
uh, a military soldier in the National Guard uh, of uh, being a medic and helping our men and women in arms uh, uh, in, in trauma and, uh, and illness, sickness, and what have you. Yep, she's uh, one of several of my offspring that happens to enjoy uh, dealing with bl- with blood, if you will. They have discovered that uh, that they have a, um, a, a a propensity towards uh, uh, handling well of the bloody situation, if you will, the bloody situation, the hemoglobin. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and the trauma of men and women, there is a calling on their life apparently to, uh, to want to help in that regards. What a blessing. I got another son who is moving towards, uh, the realm of theology, but he happens to recognize that he's also, uh, somewhat, uh, uh, intrigued by and fascinated with, uh, zygotes and, uh, bipoid cell development and all that kind of good stuff that goes on with biology. So he might end up <laughs> hanging out in the medical field too, before going into the ministry. Uh, it's a wonderful place. The medical industry is a wonderful place. It is part of the divine mandate for healing. Jehovah Rapha is his name, and he has given given us the mandate of taking care of our neighbor, our brother, our sister, and even our enemy. And so, yeah, we were celebrating with our baby girl, um, graduating with honors, uh, graduating uh, with uh, special uh, care and uh, acknowledgments and uh, all that good stuff, uh, which goes along with uh, our young our young adults. And I, I will say this while I am meandering uh, rhetorically, I will say that if you don't really know what to do with your child, if you really don't know what to do with your child, encourage them to enlist in the military. It will help them prepare identify and move forward with a level of confidence that they presently may not have for all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of reasons. It may very well help them find out what their calling is, what their purpose is. And it certainly will develop intrinsic qualities of, uh, of, of, um, of, uh, manhood and, uh, womanhood so that in fact they can, um, they can begin to decide on how they're going to make their way through this crazy world. And I, I, I really do want to press that given that the world that our kids are going to have to deal with over the next 40, 50 years, the sooner that our children figure out what biblical and uh, biblical manhood and womanhood is and how important a calling is and how important preparation for that calling is, the sooner they begin to press into affirming qualities and gifts that are inherent in them and that can be developed and that are also transferable skills into two or three areas of um, self-promoting income so that they can live an honorable life in all godliness and purity, the sooner they get that, ladies and gentlemen, the better. You and I are not good parents. If we let our kids have delayed um, maturity uh, processes, delayed maturity challenges, delayed maturity uh, callings, delayed maturity uh, enterprises and, 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 and structural events in their life that can stimulate their thinking and begin to drive them in a direction where they can discover their calling and goals, the sooner young people have that, the better off they all are. Stats are very clear about that. And that's why largely when the wealthy are doing the right thing by way of uh, biblical manhood and womanhood, they will invest 
significantly in their child's skill set and in their child's character development, character, integrity, all of that's critically important. So child of God, right in the middle of um, this kind of opening monologue, as we are kind of addressing and honing in on an area that's important to many of us, and that's our children. Um, Yeah, take this seriously, if you will, from a pastor, counselor, friend, radio talk show host, whatever you want to call me. Take this serious. If you are right now presently dealing with uh, a young child and they may even be seven or eight years old or are 15, 16 or 17, you really want to now ramp up your uh, focus and your attention on helping them identify their gifts and calling developing character traits that are noble and uh, productive, that are pro-social in nature and, and, and would correspond with what God would honor, whether they are saved or not. Uh, and, and so that they can begin to be developed early on and be able to handle and manage the challenges of life without you and I uh, keeping them in the incubator longer than they should be. And then when they become gorillas or chimpanzees, that is grown women and biologically, grown women, men and women biologically, but not mature spiritually or emotionally and psychologically. That's on us. So on you and me. So on you and me to have uh, had problems with our own life and uh, and therefore development and therefore kind of a uh, a lack of uh, motivation and drive to see our children become mature as early as possible because somehow we want to keep them within the framework of our own uh, control and comfort for our own insecurity. Whatever the case may be, whatever the case may be, it is normal when parenting, even the animal world, hurries up and get their kids up and out so that they can actually deal with life on their own. Uh, in a normal world of society where human beings recognize that every individual born into this world is precious and therefore requires as much of an advantage as they possibly can have in order to begin to negotiate this world, healthy-thinking adults really begin to train their children young in the areas of character, in the areas of morals, ethics, and in the area of industrial skill sets by which they can prosper in the world. The military is excellent for that. It's excellent. We sent our daughter in. She's very healthy when she went in. But she went in a young lady. She's now a mature adult in so many different ways. It's very clear. She's been in for a year now. And uh, very clear that they trained her, took her through rigor, tested her emotionally, tested her psychologically, tested her physically, tested her socially, tested her intellectually. And uh, she discovered things about herself in that accelerated rate of testing that she would have never found out uh, over the over the next 10 years, if you will, in the context of just maybe going to school and trying to get a job and kind of, again, just kind of, uh, you know, feeling your way through the process of the educational system and the high cost of living here in the Bay Area, all of that. All of that is taken care of when your kids are, are, are given to understanding that the military, all of the branches have the capacity to take your babies and turn them into adults that are ready not only to live their lives, but to save other lives, which is where uh, my daughter has now proven herself. And I'm so, so thankful for that, hoping that she doesn't retreat to any kind of adolescent uh, sort of longings because now she's back home, just got back home a few days ago. 
And I'm very much hoping that this accelerated experience drives her towards uh, making right choices up the rung of the ladder to become a medical doctor, which is her ultimate goal and objective for the glory of God. And so, yeah, that's my word to you today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you have children and you don't have the ability, skill set or the, um, uh, the, 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 the clarity of mind, you don't have the broad enough perspective on what's out there as options for your kids. Let the government help you. Let the military help you. We saw so many young men and young women, Latinos, Asians, blacks, who were just sterling in their character exhibiting qualities of uh, of respect and decorum of chivalry and conscious intelligence, social intelligence skills as a consequence of the training that it is remarkable. I told my wife every time we've gone to uh, watch our daughter graduate from one group to another and make her way uh, into now a full fledged uh, soldier in the uh, National Guards. I, I said, this is what all of our kids need, at least for one or two years in high school. A very serious regiment of discipline, structure, hierarchical imposition, accountability, and challenges that would qualify them for becoming a successful adult because you don't become successful by accident. You just don't. Even when the Bible says both in the Old Testament and New Testament, train up a child. There it is, that word train. It means to rigidly structure around them processes by which they grow up straight and not crooked. Like you do with a tree, you have to prop up that little twig with sticks and then wrap it so that the tree the, the 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 twig, that little branch, that little beginning root grows up straight. It becomes used to growing straight. If you get my drift, orthodox. And, and, and when you grow up straight, when you grow up straight, you grow up linear. When you grow up linear, you grow up vertically. And when you grow up straight, linear, and vertically, you get to God sooner. As opposed to the surreptitious, crooked, twisted, flimsy, vine-like process of growth that many of our kids have to go through because they didn't have structure in the beginning. Amen, pastor. Preach it. And that lack of structure opens them up to all kinds of explorations and engagements and activities that you and I know that are basic and fundamental to a life of distraction before they ever, if they ever attain unto a life of adult productivity uh, prosperity and success, if they ever attain to it. Most of the time, they're going to fall and collapse into a lot of these diabolical schemes that have nothing to do but trap our children and delay any kind of real adult satisfaction, adult gratification that comes from uh, discipline and hard work. So there you go. And when I come back, by the way, you're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. I am Jesse Gistan, and my number is one triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Here, here's what I'm going to challenge you with. Challenge you with. First of all, you can call. We can talk about anything that's important to you. Bible questions, spiritual concerns, personal challenges, family challenges, etc. But, but don't call me, okay? Don't, don't even call this number. Joel ain't going to answer the phone if you call, okay? Don't call. I'm using a little reverse psychology. Don't call. Don't call. We're not going to answer. one 367 Don't call. 
one 367 5329 is the number not to call with your questions, your spiritual concerns, your personal challenges. Don't call. We're not going to answer. Do not call one 367 5329 No matter how serious, how important, how longing you are to have dialogue about something, something that important, we're not going to answer the phone. one 367 5329 When we come back, I have a proposition, and here it is. Marriage isn't meant to meet your needs. Whoa. I'm going to read an article and then I'm going to engage you in why this person is actually peering into what we might consider a real problem in the context of 21st century me-ism marriage. Marriage isn't meant to meet your needs. Isn't that fascinating? Because I can give you Bible verses that almost sounds like the exact opposite. But I think this person has a point, and this will help some of you and, and us that struggle. one 367 This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Do not call. We will not answer your calls. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right. The time is 526 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. The number is one 367 If you want to try to reach me, we won't answer if you call. I'm kidding. Anyhow, the number again, one 367 5329 Before the break, I was talking to you about the importance of um, helping our kids get prepared for adulthood and life in the world. I think is even more important now than it ever has been in the history of the world. And now I want to talk a little bit about marriage. I'm kind of um, wrapping up for our Rules of Engagement marriage series that I'm hoping to do between now and Christmas. We generally do two to three weekends where we gather together with dozens and dozens and dozens of families on a Saturday somewhere around three o'clock, I think. And uh, we have a good time of worship and really delve into the word of God around the topic of um, of marriage. And so this year's marriage theme will be the art of cooperation. It's an absolutely fabulous study that I'm working through and and a structure of an outline that I really am having a lot of grace by God to put together the art of cooperation because marriage really is an institution that requires cooperation on all, all parts. And, and the, the emphasis will be on the art of cooperation, not so much the science of cooperation, although that's important, like the science and art of, uh, of speaking, the science and art of uh, music, the science and art of business, uh, the science and art of uh, all kinds of disciplines in the world. We, we're going to be dealing with how important it is for us as couples, to understand that cooperation, uh, cooperating, operations being done by two persons for the good and and, and benefit of the whole family and beyond. This is where the article that I'm about to get into uh, will uh, speak to us. The um, art of cooperation. I think a lot of times in our relationships, we might get to the place where we cooperate. But the question is, is it artful? Do we understand the importance of doing things in a way that adorns God's glory, that actually adorns the process of meeting 
at the center of events that have to take place and uh, uh, obligations have to be met and goals have to be achieved that require both parties. And can we do it in a way that adorns the gospel? That's what we're going to be focusing in on this year, the art of cooperation. And it is proceeding from the fundamental mandate. The two shall become one. When we do things God's way, when we do things biblically, cooperation is the outcome. Uh, but when we do it with that aided blessing of understanding the opportunity and the, 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 um, the ability to actually now execute this particular uh, mandate in a way that honors God and, and is attractive. That's where the concept of the art comes in at, because I think a lot of times we might get to the place of being able to work together. Although marriage is such a mess that working together is a challenge itself. I'm sure you would agree, but to do it artfully. So I have a whole lot of um, really sound principles and um, uh, examples that I want to bring to the table to help cultivate in you and I a greater sense of the mandate for cooperating in a way that becomes evangelical. It it becomes apologetic. It becomes, um, it becomes attractive by which it can bridge a gap between people who are uh, thinking about marriage and people who are married, who look on us and see how we, how we cooperate, whether rhetorically in dialogue, uh, whether uh, in, 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 in close-range events and small uh, micro-matters or in the larger events of life. Do we do it in a way that adorns the gospel to our children? When they watch mom and daddy talk, do they see artful cooperation or do they see fundamental tensions rooted in a struggle that basically is, is uh, a consequence of our carnal selfishness? Uh this is why the article is so important. I've got three lines open, one 367 if you want to give me a call, engage me in a question or a comment or observation, etc. But listen to the article before I go to the break. The article says marriage isn't meant to meet your needs. Okay, okay, we're going to find out what Christopher Ash has to say about this. I quote, one of my favorite cartoons shows up a group of cavemen standing on top of a cliff, watching one of their own fall over the edge. But he hasn't fallen. He's been thrown. As he falls, the group leader, the group's leader looks angrily at the others. Well, there's anyone else. Well, is there anyone else here who needs whose needs are not being met? This is a mischievous but timely critique of a culture in which we expect everything, including our marriages, to meet our needs. I don't know the correlation between that that story I just shared with you. When we approach marriage expecting our needs to be met, he says, we fail to understand the real nature of love. Whoa. And we sow seeds of marital destruction. Whoa. God hasn't designed marriage as a means to meet our personal needs. Woe again. Now he says, assuming marriage is about meeting needs is dangerous for at least two reasons, because it's not real love. That's one. He says it's not, it's not real love. Meeting needs is not real love. That's, that's fascinating. Secondly, because it destroys marriages and societies. Here's what he says in terms of the first one. 
He says, because it's not real love, inward looking marriage isn't real love because it encourages us to view sex and marriage selfishly. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Jesus said in Luke 6, 32, any love that merely gazes adoringly into the eyes of another who adores us isn't really love at all. Now, you guys can challenge that if you want to, but but listen to what he's saying. One of the most frightening things about Jesus' parable of the rich man and Lazarus is that the rich man seems to have been a good family man. Even in the place of the dead, he's concerned about his brothers. But his so-called love isn't really love at all, for it never extends to Lazarus, the poor man lying at the gate. He cares for his family, but his care doesn't overflow to meet needy people outside. Marriage and family can easily become a respectable form of selfishness. If we marry mainly to meet our needs, then our marriages will be just that, good-looking masks for selfishness. If we marry mainly to meet our needs, then our marriages will be just good-looking masks for selfishness. It is a short step from loving you to loving me and wanting you. And it's too easy for Christians to think of marriage as a discipleship-free zone. Ooh, let me say that again. Think about it. Because this is kind of where I'm at right now for those of you who listen to, who are listening to me. You know right now I'm pressing us into getting to know and engage and submit to and walk with the Spirit of God much more sincerely and deeply. You know that. Here is one of the critical reasons why. Right here. Listen, child of God. Listen. He says, it is a short step from loving you to loving me and wanting you. And it's too easy for Christians to think of marriage as a discipleship free zone. Outside of marriage, we love to talk about sacrifice, taking up our cross and so on. But inside marriage, we often talk about how to communicate better, how to be more intimate, how to have better sex, how to be happy. Whoa. Now, what what are the mutually exclusive principles that he's laying down here, saints? What what if I were to stop right here, what would be the implied admonition? What would be the explicit reproof that he would be bringing to the table about things that we would all agree are good, but become less than good? Because while we do this set of things, we are omitting the other. If a marriage isn't serving God, no amount of personal and sexual fulfillment will make it right. After all, so far as we can see. Ananias and Sapphira had a marriage with excellent communication and shared values. Each understood the other perfectly, yet they suffered terrible deaths under the righteous judgment of God. Ananias and Sapphira loved each other, even to the extent of lying to the Holy Ghost. Do you remember? I think this man has a point, don't you? And we're going to talk about because it destroys marriages and societies. And I want to hear from you on this. I want to hear, have you ever thought through how it is that we can really invest and engage in and spend a lot of energy around loving each other to the exclusion of a gospel love, an evangelical love, a sacrificial love, a Christ-like love? one 367 Do not be afraid to be honest right here, because this is so very important. We can idolatrize our marriages and end up being a gospel-free, disciple-free marriage zone family. one 367 I'll be right back.
And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. We have been discussing a very interesting article. I think it makes a really good point. Love to hear from you on it. Uh, marriage is not designed or is not meant to meet your needs per se. And he gives a good argument about the fallacy of what he calls a not real love, uh, me is a more selfish attitude about, you know, meeting our needs. And his second argument is it's fairly important, too, because it destroys marriages and societies. And I do want to read that, but I'm going to go to line one first and uh, deal with our caller. Um, are you there on line number one? Hello? Are we there? Line number one? Mm, maybe we're coming. Are we? Are we able to pick her up, pick them up? Line number one. All right. I'm going to go back waiting for that to happen. By the way, three lines are open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three. Okay, there we go. Are we there on line one? Yes. Right. How are you? I'm good. Tell me what your name is. My name is Akili. Akili. All right. Uh, the font on my screen is getting smaller and smaller, and I couldn't see the K there. Um, how can I help you, sir? Glad to have you listening. Oh, yes, I listen to you regularly. Okay. What's going on, um, man? Well, you um speaking on marriage. Yeah. And I, the, the Holy Spirit led me to call and to share with you, Pastor Gistan, mm-hmm. that the Lord has blessed me with one that he anointed. And um, I will uh, one day share with you um, how we met and um, how our relationship has um, developed into marriage and um, the growth that we've undertaken together in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's a real blessing, man. That's a real blessing. Good to. Oh, oh wow! It's, it's a great. To, it's great to hear that uh, that you are, um, are 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 duly in love with a, a beautiful spouse that's anointed, and uh, and walking with you in a uh, in a in a complimentary way. And um, I've shared with my wife uh, in the beginning that. Uh, our relationship has been ordained and that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, um, and I may have um, put this incorrectly, but the understanding and sentiment is there, is that um, we are each one strand of a rope because it takes three strands to solidify the strength of a rope. Mm-hmm. As we all know, I agree. And so, yes, and so, our Lord and Savior is the third strand. And then my wife corrected me, and she said, "Well, dear, he's the first strand. We're the other two strands." I'm like, "Yes, dear." So, <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yes. How long y'all been married? Since May second of nine. Uh, uh, 2016. Awesome. Awesome. Three years now moving into four, May 2nd. That's a beautiful thing, man. Yes, sir. Listen, let me ask you a question. Can Is there yes, something I can pray for you about in terms of this wonderful celebration? Are, are, you, are you guys a prayer-free, a prayer-free couple completely sheltered in the grace and love of Christ? 
All of the above. Okay. Okay, good, good. Well, uh, let me see here. Brother Akili, listen, thank you for your call and your contribution. I'm sure there are young couples out there and and people who are about to get on the launching pad of marriage that would hope to be able to find what you two have found. And may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you and may the Lord smile upon you. May he cause his grace to to abound in your life. Thank you for the call, my dear brother. Pastor Gistan. Yes. Before we go, um, my wife's name is Veronica. Okay. That's awesome. Yes, That's awesome. Akili and Veronica. That's a blessing. We'll keep we'll keep listening because we will be having a uh I'll be announcing our rules of engagement. We do them every couple of years, and we have couples coming out from all over the Bay Area, and we'd love for you to come out and be part of the seminar. Amen. I'm all right, my brother. God bless you. Praise him. Amen. All right. Let me see here. Let me take take another call before we end this hour. I'll go with line number two and talk with Ellen and Cemetery. Ellen, are you there? I certainly am. How are you, Pastor? I'm good. What's your question, comment, or observation? Well, today? I tell you, this is this is right up my alley today. Okay. Um, it is every week, but this is. Uh, I'll just start off by saying, not that it's relevant, but I'm divorced. Okay. Uh, many years, I had a, a 21 year marriage. Uh, it was a biblical. Uh, there's a pastor that wouldn't have. I mean, I left the marriage, but it, trust me, it was biblical. But that's not, I'm not being defensive here, that's just the way it was. Okay. Um, but that being said, let me get right back at, at into it so we're not up against the clock. And I really am, am looking forward to your response, if, if it be your will. Um, okay, so this is the deal. First of all, I think it is not a coincidence, uh, God is so good, that you started off, or maybe I started off talking about your, your daughter mm-hmm. and your children, and mm-hmm. the parents should put children in the military one way or another were military school or joining the military to get that kind of training. Right. You know, when you're in the military and the sergeant says, you know, drop whatever and do whatever, uh, there's no, it's no, no excuse zone. Nope. You can't say, well, you know, my mommy didn't hold me enough when I was two. That's right. No, None you're going to do it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That being said, we live in a world that is just, it's, it's nothing but excuses. Now, I'm going to take task with... I, I think this, this article is fascinating. I don't know if it's an article or it is, and it is fascinating. Article. We're not we're not through with it, but it is fascinating. But there is a correlation. So go ahead on. Okay, so I'm gonna yeah, it, I'm gonna lead right into it. Don't, I'm not taking us astray. Okay. Okay. All right. So this is this is what I have found. And again, it has nothing to do with my marriage. I, I've never said a bad word about my husband. I, I love him. I don't understand how you can be married 21 years. You you love someone, then suddenly he's the enemy. You know, oh, I hate him. I can't. Right. You have no idea exactly. what he did to me. Exactly. I mean, give me a break. Exactly. And 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 I still. I had lunch with with a friend about two months ago. She's been divorced ten years. She's still talking about him. Yep. He's the the problem. Her life is is a mess. Ten years later, because of him. Okay. Right. So let let's move on from that. So the point is that I think, and I think this this article is fascinating. But I think that the the what I've found with a lot of people. There, when you say you get married for, to meet our needs, um, and that's not what marriage is about, I think that's, that's very true. But I think it's even one step along, and it kind of ties in what you were saying about your, your precious daughter and your other children. Boy, you, you've done well, Pastor, and your wife. <laughs> we, anyway, we, we have been graced. There's no um, doubt about it. Unbelievable. Well, it is believable. Excuse me. Um, but but I think that, that what happens is we get married not just because to, to have someone meet our needs. And, and you know, there are reasons I'm not, I don't need to go into the reasons. We all know them. Um, but I think it has to do with covering our 
um, what's the word I could think of, uh, a polite word. Inadequacies. Um, yes. Oh, this is why I, 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 I it's, it's a good thing I'm talking to someone who, you do this for me all the time because I'm not, I get nervous and I, I well, don't Well, 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 it would be fine if you and I were sitting at Starbucks having a cup of coffee and we used the CYA term because those are fundamental <laughs> uh, office terms that everybody knows, but, but I, sometimes I push the envelope as a pastor. I must be, I must be honest about that, but we don't have to here because no, we no, do have, we, we do have little kids listening, including exactly. my grannies. And there's no reason, you know, I always say that's a, I'm always suspicious that someone has to use a foul word to make their their point, then their point is not worth making. You know, I I, I think you know you don't, you don't need to go. You there. can always use a better term. I, I okay. will I will I will take issue that there are sometimes uh, extremely uh, poignant situations that uh-huh. really do require. Um, uh, an appropriate expression that might not be uh, normal accepted vocabulary uh, in order to press home an issue. I, I anyhow going going well, with going when with I you said, said that I was in all fair. I, I was actually thinking of politicians. Whenever I hear them, uh, say yeah, something, that's true. Know, like, that's true. You that's true. They're <laughs> not going to make any points. And no, it's true for pastors too. I even though I I I, I promise you, I you know ninety percent ninety nine percent of the time I'm going to be okay. Every now and then when I'm pressing an issue, but you know vulgar stuff. That's a whole nother whole nother level. But unfortunately, we're getting some of that in our our political discourse as well as we are. Falling apart in terms of uh, uh, basic civility around dialogue, our vocabularies are are, are um, undoubtedly not large enough to be able to actually express the point articulately without without becoming vulgar. But now we are really getting aside. What what do you, how do you yeah, want maybe, to now maybe sum maybe up? Even after the break, if, if it's possible, you can ask because I was thinking about the Bible because I always like to bring it back to the Bible because that's what we're doing here, right? Sure. As interesting as as it is, and it's all. It's all tied in, so I was thinking about, um, and I'm not sure what the Bible says, but if my recollection, which is limited, serves me well, um, I don't know when this play, you know, there's a lot of racism in the Bible. I mean, you know, this sure. goes on and on and on. I mean, you know, you think, it's the book of Esther, I mean, you know, he wanted to kill all the Jews. This is nothing new. But I don't know exactly when it turned the corner. There's a difference, Pastor Jesse, between hating someone, hating a group, and then hating them because they are responsible for the plight that we're in, i.e. the Nazis with the Jews in Germany, True. economically, or whatever it is. You could take 5,000 examples. It doesn't matter. So, so at some point, and I don't think it's in the Bible that often, where, where the hatred's usually because they have idolatry, they don't believe, they, they're looked down on, but it's not you are the reason I'm so screwed up or my people are, are in danger because of you. It's just pure hatred. And then somehow it turned the corner, and this is what happens in marriages. It's like you're, you're, you're expecting your husband, and everything, instead of having a conversation, it's your fault. It, 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 what's wrong in the marriage is your fault. There, there was somewhere there was a little turn. I would love to know if there's a biblical, uh, 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 if the Bible addresses it. But, but you know what I'm saying. It's, it's one thing to hate someone because you hate what they stand for. In, in your mind, what they stand for is wrong. There's another thing to then take it a step further and say, oh, my God, because of what you stand for, you are destroying me. You're destroying my uh, belief system. You're destroying my town, whatever it happens to be, my people. And so it, 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 and that, so it's a societal thing, but it's also within a marriage, 
and and in anything if you don't and and it all kind of goes with a sense of no personal responsibility for anything it's kind of it's always um the other person's else's fault. fault and yep. that's so prevalent in our things so if you could uh, maybe if you if you'd be so kind maybe after the break you can i know you you said you have to take a break but but i i don't know what the bible uh is there an example of someone who who where 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 people were responsible for uh, uh, the downfall. I mean, we know that Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot got too close, and he was taken in by that. But it, but but there just seems to be a shift, and it's so. As I said, it's so prevalent now, where it's I, no one has responsibility anymore. It's yep. always someone else's fault. Absolutely, and, and we, it just it drives me insane. So I'm going to dump it in your lap and hope that you can. We'll create. Um, I know you do. That's we will. We will talk. create a spiral from uh, the individual to the couple, to the family, to the tribe, to the nation, to the world, because it all starts with the individual. And the sanctity of marriage is a place that should work out these social maladies. But when we don't, they get extended to our kids, and then they get extended to extended marriages, and then larger family, extended family tribes, and then tribes become nations, and nations become countries, and and, and the same battle that takes place in the micro-relational context of a man and woman, where we don't actually own responsibility for our identity and our calling and our... Uh, and our actions, then, yeah, it takes on that blame the other mentality that spreads abroad. And we certainly will unpack that a little bit today. And I think it really does relate to marriage isn't meant to meet your needs in that regard. And uh, we'll take that up. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. I've got three lines open. one 367 Three six seven five three two nine. What's so germane? And germane is our next caller. No pun intended, germane. But what's so germane about Ellen's question and query? If you guys have not been turned off, is that the spotlight of not only Scripture and the Holy Ghost is turned on you and me? Because quite frankly, if we're not constantly waging war against narcissism then narcissistic tendencies dominate our thinking and we react from a place of selfishness versus selflessness um, when our identity is not clear and we're not cognizant of uh, the emotional impulses that drive our uh, actions and choices. And it does have epigenetic effect upon our children. I mean, you know, that's Cain and Abel. He killed his brother Abel. He blamed Abel for his sacrifice not being accepted with with God. There it is. That's where it starts. So when I come back from the uh, break, after we pay some bills, we will kind of unpack the danger of a narcissistic love that fundamentally centers on me and doesn't have God at the foundation, the glory of God in, in, in Christ as the framework of expression by which we can benefit everybody in the family with what is essential to overcoming it's her fault it's his fault which when we have kids we begin to see that in them which means we get to see it in us and if we don't deal with it in us we're not going to deal with it in them they become our enemies or they become our cohorts in a flawed worldview that doesn't really take into consideration Biblical love, which is what the author is talking about. So we get it. 
I hope you do. Two lines open. One triple eight three uh, three lines. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I'll be right back. This report is sponsored by Grapes from California. In San Francisco, eastbound 80 on the Skyway, right around 4th Street, a crash involving a semi now over on the right-hand shoulder. Traffic, however, backed up to 101. In San Mateo, northbound 101, just before Highway 92, a three-car crash there. That's in the right-hand lane. You'll find uh, traffic at a stop from Holly Street in San Carlos. Southbound 101 at San Antonio Road in Mountain View. We have a crash there. It's in the third lane from the left. Don't have a lot of details. Motorcycle crash in San Bruno. This one's southbound 101, just before SFO, and that is in the center divide that's traffic i'm michael bennett paul is here and that means football this season take a break from chips and dips and reach for something healthier go with grapes from california available at Rayleigh's. three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com salemnow.com <laughs> 